0: What up, what up? What's good? Back at it again with another episode of the We Could Be Wrong podcast with Juan and Pablo. I'm Juan, that's Pablo. We're going to get into some topics this week. The most interesting topics that we saw uh, over the weekend. A lot of topics over the weekend, actually. A lot of uh, football, obviously. There's uh, Heisman trophies about to get handed out. Well, a Heisman trophy, not not trophies. It's just one. Um, We finally got our wildcard card bracket set, and we're ready for some uh wild card football over the weekend. We also saw Ryan Garcia get back in the ring after a long layoff um we're gonna get into all these topics and my review over the bowl picks that I picked in the last podcast. If you haven't listened to the to my predictions go back and and listen to the to the picks that I had. And we will review them later on in the podcast. But let's get started with what happened over the weekend. The biggest topic, in my opinion, was the youngster Ryan Garcia getting back in the ring after a long layoff. This fight was supposed to happen in the by on the end of December. It was canceled due to COVID uh, situations with Luke Campbell's camp, and uh, well, actually Luke Campbell was the one that tested positive. So they had to be postponed into the beginning of 2021, which is a great way to uh, start off 2021 with a, such a good fight. In my opinion, I I thought it was a great fight, to be good. honest. I liked it because, like I mentioned in the last podcast, that Ryan Garcia is the one that took the second biggest step in that division. You know, the big dogs in that division is Teofimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia, uh, Javante Davis. Devin Haney those are the top 4 dogs right and in my opinion this was a high a high uh level of competition for for Ryan Garcia everybody else like i said last last week Tank Davis fought Leo Santa Cruz big name it definitely had he definitely brings a fan base and and it, and it became a big uh a big uh event but when you get down to the to the when you dissect the actual fight and you get into the details of it come on uh, Leo Santa Cruz is a smaller guy obviously he did not belong in the same ring with with the uh, Javante Davis even though I give him credit for taking, I give more credit to Leo Santa Cruz, we've, we've explained that already I give more credit to Leo Santa Cruz than I do Tank Davis and then you got Devin Haney that ended up fighting Eurotis Gamboa Gamboa as a veteran, a gatekeeper, and still took both of these guys, Tank and Haney, uh, later into later in deep waters. You know, they win almost twelve rounds. I think, uh, yeah, uh, Haney went twelve rounds and Tank won eleven rounds. Uh-huh. So then you got obviously Teofimo Lopez that fought the best of the best, Vasiliy Lomachenko, and took his belt. So he became not undisputed champion, but he's just missing Devin Haney's belt which is the real WBC belt and now you got Ryan Garcia 22 year young uh superstar in the making going upward you know he uh he got somebody like Luke Campbell that has fought Jorge Linares before he has fought the likes of Vasily Lomachenko took him 12 rounds and a young stud like Ryan Garcia says I want that guy you know um which is a phenomenal way of thinking. And takes on this guy. And when they get in the ring. Obviously Ryan Garcia is the heavy favorite. And as I'm watching this fight. Um, I see I see confidence in, in Ryan Garcia. Obviously every time he steps into the ring. I, f- I believe he has confidence. Maybe he gets a little nervous. Because every fighter gets nervous. I mean who wouldn't get nervous before you get into an actual fight. But. Luke Campbell shocks the world in the second round and drops Ryan Garcia. Uh Easy. He made it look so easy. Well, this is the thing that I like, right? Because obviously when you see this, just speaking to casuals, right? Uh Ryan Garcia is obviously the name that stands out. But Luke Campbell, I don't think he, unless it's diehard fans that know who he is, I don't think he got the respect that he deserved coming into this fight. This is a dude that won Olympic gold. This is a dude that has lots of experience. He's a talented fighter. This is uh, was a big, big, uh, a big uh, competition—not competition. A big, uh, a, a big opposition for for Ryan, and and I don't think he got the the respect he deserved until that second round when he dropped Ryan Garcia. Everybody was like, "Oh shit! Like, what the hell?" No, no, this dude is for real. We we've been telling you that this dude is for real that's why i don't like when you diminish the opposition i don't like that you got to look at the opposition and then you go about analyzing the fight you can't just go based off the favorite you got to go off both you know look at both fighters and and give an honest opinion about what you think of the fight and i think he earned his respect in that second round not only from the fans and the people that were there uh watching the fight and the people at home watching the fight but Ryan Garcia himself. Yeah. Because he looked hurt. Honestly, the way he fell with his with his hand backwards and completely off balance. He looked out. He looked fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, he, he got his respect right there. People can argue maybe he should have gone for the kill, but I like that Luke Campbell was patient and didn't go wild and go balls to the wall trying to get him out of there. Because that would be like, I got to get him out of here before he hurts me. Mm-hmm. And he was patient. And, but, like a true champion, Ryan Garcia comes back and fights it off and survives the round. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he lost that round when you get knocked down, that's a ten eight round. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Ryan wins the first round. Luke Campbell obviously wins the second round from the third round on ryan garcia was was dominating, even though Luke Campbell was catching Ryan with that left hand at majority of the fight. The thing that I think Ryan Garcia has to work on a little bit more is his defensive side of yeah, his yeah. game.
1: Well, he said that he's more of an uh,
0: offensive uh, fighter.
1: No, no. He's usually the one trying to play smart and trying to catch him with that left. I think that's what he said at, towards, like, at the end of the fight. Mm-hmm. But he said in this fight, he just decided to be the aggressor. Yeah. And he was the one being, trying to push on Luke Campbell, especially after he knock, got knocked down.
0: Yeah. He had to be, you know, because usually the aggressor wins the round. Yeah. So you obviously want to impose your will and... and Cause serious pressure, you and especially a uh, uh, fighter like Lou Campbell who has range. You want to keep him, you don't want to fight him at distance, you want to get up close that way he won't get some good shots on you, even though he was good on the inside. But Ryan was just laying it on him, landing some good shots, um, p- power, power shots on him. And uh, and I believe I want to say it was the f- fifth round because it went seven. If my mind serves me correctly, I believe it was the fifth round. He had him hurt at the end of the yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. To the point where he turned his back and, and he grabbed onto the ropes. And I believe we saw that in the fight of Pulev and Anthony Joshua, where Pulev turned his back and that was a, a stoppage offense. Like to the point, you, mm. you can lose the fight turning your back on your opponent. That's pretty much throwing in the towel. That, yeah. that falls in the same umbrella as throwing in the towel. And Luke Campbell turned his back on him, but he was saved by the bell because the yeah. bell rang and it was over. That could have easily stopped the fight. and uh, It could have easily stopped there, but it didn't, and then it went in another round. And and I just think uh, when it comes to instructions between Ryan and Eddie also I think there's a language barrier. Obviously, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. language barrier because he, uh, doesn't he doesn't speak Spanish. And I believe in a moment like that, Especially with the with the emotions building with the with the adrenaline pumping and
1: I'm pretty sure he understands it though.
0: And and knowing what you have to do because he was in a competitive fight. Yeah, yeah. And you receiving instructions in Spanish, you processing that while your dad is trying to translate it, you trying to recover from a from a very competitive fight and trying to analyze in your head what you have to do coming out of the stool, out of the corner. Is a lot going on, you know, and the language barrier doesn't help. Like if you were to know some Spanish, which I think I believe he understands it more than he can speak it. But it's it's very hard when he's trying to give you instruction, especially because you heard Adrian also tell him in the corner, you're doing good, but you're not listening to me. Yeah. Like what I'm telling you to do, I need you to do that in the ring. Yeah. Don't tell me yes and go do the complete opposite because as soon as you came out of that round you started throwing haymakers and that's not the way you slow it now even canelo at the end of the fight was telling him you need to relax don't come out like that you don't need to come out like that you are better than this guy you need to show your skill and box him you yeah. know don't just go out there and 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 use all your gas tank and completely gas yourself out and then in the 7th round Boy, he took that body shot from hell. Yep. That looked like a Canelo style body shot. Did it or did it not? Because Canelo has some good body shots. I yeah. like I've said before, him and Errol Spence have some of the best body work I've ever seen. And and the good thing about uh, Ryan is that he was trying to land that left hook the whole night, like the upper, uh, the 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 left hook upstairs yeah. to the head, and that's what. Luke Campbell expected. So when he shot that left hook, Luke Campbell lifts his guard all the way high, leaves his body open, boom, right to the ribs, and just goes down. As soon as you see that, you can tell he's hurting. Yeah. And it is very hard. First of all, Ryan punches pretty hard. He has yeah. some power. I'm pretty sure you've seen him on Instagram doing the body shot challenge and doing all that. Now you're talking about a clean body shot with power. To Pure body shot, unexpected, yeah, and it takes your breath unexpectedly. Is going to take a lot for you to get back up from that, especially uh-huh. if it takes your all your breath away. And that's pretty much what did what did it, you know? Uh, what do they say? You hit the body, the ball, the head falls on his own.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Classic Chavez line, and and that's what happened. He hit him with a body shot, and he wasn't able to get up, and he won. This is the type of fight that you love to see. Why? Because you get the young, up-and-rising s- s- superstar in the making, facing the biggest adversity he's ever faced in his career, gets dropped. He's never been dropped. And comes back in champion-like fashion to win a very competitive fight and come out on top, uh-huh. you know? Haters would say he got dropped. Okay, but what did he do when he after he got dropped? He put himself in an uncomfortable position to where he could have lost the fight. Yep. And that's something you got to admire from this young guy. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Ryan, but the fact that he took this step forward in his career, put himself in position to almost lose and come back, you got to admire that. And he said it himself, I'm not afraid to lose. If I lose, I mean, at least I put myself in... Boxing history, you know, as, as far as fighting the, the best competition, I don't want to be I don't want to be the guy that's uh, that's hiding behind my promoter. I want to be the guy that's head on fighting everybody and and anybody when when I get the chance, because I'm, I'm young and if I lose now, I can recuperate. And and later on down the line, I may even be bigger. Uh-huh. Look at Canelo Alvarez for for a uh, perfect example. He lost. And he's the biggest star in boxing. Anthony Joshua lost, and he's still one of the biggest stars in boxing. Triple G lost as well, but he's still one of the biggest uh, biggest stars in boxing. That if one you, should have been a draw. I mean, call it what you want. I mean, you say the first one, the second one was a draw. I say the first one was a draw. We're never going to agree. Huh. But
1: you know, the first one, Triple G had it,
0: like you said, had it, but he didn't win. So. That's why I mean, like these, these guys, these young guys out here are trying to be the greatest. They're trying to leave a legacy. Teofimo Lopez went out and said what he was going to do and actually did it. Yep. Fought the biggest guy in the division, uh, the most feared guy in the division, the people that um, arguably some people did not want to fight just because you get to the top and you don't, and you miss your chance. Ryan Garcia is in that path. Uh-huh. He's going that way. He wants to fight the best. He called out Tank after the fight. Will he fight Tank? No, I, I don't think so. That fight will not be made because Floyd Mayweather already said time and time again, you got to fight Roley. Roley is a fighter, one of Mayweather's fighters. That shouldn't even be in the conversation. Uh-huh. You know, We know who the top four guys in the division are, and we want them to fight each other. Why are you throwing this wrench in... In this uh, equation with the within these four guys, that doesn't need to be there, you know. Uh, no, I I don't. I honestly don't think uh, Ryan Garcia will be fighting Tank Davis next. I honestly think they probably won't be fighting each other. They'll probably be fighting, um, mandatories, uh eliminators, stuff like that. Like not not each other though. I I honestly highly doubt it. And if they do, credit to them. Because that's something that that's missing from the sport of boxing. Uh-huh. The best fight in the best. Uh, I give it to Ryan. I, uh, I, I give him um, hella credit for taking on that fight and for uh, getting up from that knockdown and winning like a true champion. In my opinion, at this point, you got Teofimo Lopez number one in the division. You got Ryan Garcia number two in the division. You got Devin Haney and Tank Davis fighting uh, for that third spot. Honestly, I I wouldn't mind putting Devin Haney number three and Tank Davis number four because he's been here longer and you still have not fought somebody worth saying, well, pretty much making uh, your resume hold some weight.
1: You think Lomachenko is still top five?
0: I can argue. Let me rephrase that. I can put T.O. Fimo number one. Ryan number two, Lomachenko number three, Haney number four, Tank number five. If you can put him in there. And then you got probably like Campbell in there. Campbell's not done. Let's not act no. like he's done. He is a good fighter that can give anybody problems. Tank, I believe if he fights Tank, Tank most likely will win. Because power is seems to be a big problem for Campbell. Now, if you throw him to Haney, I would love to see him fight Haney. Because mm-hmm. Haney is not known for his power.
1: He has fought Lomachenko, though.
0: Yes, he has. Uh, He's fought Lomachenko, and he took him 12 rounds, so he's a competitive fighter, Uh and like I said, I think Haney will be a good matchup for Campbell and vice versa, just because of their fighting styles over anybody else, Uh because Tank has power, Teofimo has power, uh, Lomachenko has already fought him, so it only makes sense for him to fight uh, Devin Haney next or after uh, Haney's next fight, but uh a lot of things going on in that division so king rye stands undefeated yet again uh shout outs to that dude man i think he did his thing over the weekend and he sure gave dallas texas a hell of a fight something they never probably will never forget and something they did not expect but at the end of the day he came out with a win and that's what's most important is that he came out winning victorious and undefeated remaining king rye still to this day undefeated uh, so, let's move on to my next topic, bro. So, as you know, over the weekend, as, in this jam-packed weekend, there was uh, bowl games. And last week, we spoke about these bowl games. And, I, and, and on if you haven't checked out our Instagram, check it out. We uh, we made pred- Well, I made a prediction on all the games that I think would go a certain way. And I think I said I would get like 80%, I believe. Well, I was wrong. So, the... The games that I predicted on was Texas, Colorado. I got that one right. 52, 55 to 23. Uh, Texas scored 55, Colorado 23. So I got a dub on that one. Oklahoma State versus Miami. I won that one as well. I got that one. Uh, Oklahoma State won 37 34. OU versus Florida. I won that by a large margin. I took OU and they won 20 to 55. That was that was a good game, but I started feeling sorry for Kyle Trask after he threw three interceptions in the first quarter, and that started going downhill immediately. That shink sunk really, really, really far down the ocean, especially his Heisman Trophy chances. Wake Forest versus Wisconsin, got that one right twenty-eight to forty-two. West Virginia versus Army, I also got that one right twenty-four to twenty-one. So I'm sitting pretty good, you know. I'm I I'm thinking, okay, I, I got this done. And then we get Notre Notre Dame, Alabama. I win that one as well. 14 to 31. Alabama wins. They get to go into the college football playoff final championship game. O- Ohio State Clemson. I was wrong. Very wrong. So Ohio State wins forty nine twenty eight. I took L. That was my first L. No, I'm lying. That day, um Georgia Cincinnati played. In uh, in yeah, a, Cincinnati. I took Cincinnati, and it was it was really close. They won by a field goal. It was a competitive game. Cincinnati started dominating in the first half. The defense of Georgia came back. The defense of Georgia started helping them come back to into the game. And they started getting some momentum, and they ended up winning the game by a field goal. It was pretty down to the wire game, but at the end, Georgia and the SEC Bulldogs came out with the win, and I took my L on that one. Auburn versus Northwestern. I won that one as well. Northwestern won 19-35. to Texas A&M, North Carolina. I did say on this game that I was going hard overhead. And I went with North Carolina. And it was a very close game until the end. Texas A&M ended up winning 41-27. to Oregon, Iowa State. Iowa State ended up winning 17-34. to So I got another win. Ole Miss versus Indiana. Mm-hmm. I was, I was. It got close, but you can see Ole Miss was the better team. They won twenty six to twenty. I took an L on that one. And last but not least, North Carolina State versus Kentucky. I took Kentucky, and I got a win on that one. Kentucky wins twenty one to twenty three. So, uh, my record was nine and four. You know, was it nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen? Out of thirteen games, I got nine right. Comes out to sixty nine percent. I said eighty, but some a one I went hard overhead. One of them completely shocked me completely, which was the Ohio State-Clemson game. That one was... Uh,
1: I've always thought Ohio was way better.
0: Well, that is true, but look who's getting drafted number one, right? Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence was coming off of 10. Well, not just him, because he had caught COVID, so he couldn't play. Two, He didn't play two games out of the season, but Clemson was always number two or number three. I think they hit number four one time. Um, But they were always in the top four And I thought they were the best team in the country And Ohio State had only played six games And they were inactive A lot of majority of the season For you to play six games And still get put into the college football playoff Was crazy to me So I'm thinking Okay these dudes haven't played a lot Um, They hear the chatter in the back The media talking The critics talking you shouldn't be in here. Uh, even the coach of... Dabo Sweeney, the coach of Clemson, saying he had them ranked number 11 because they hadn't played as many games. He even made the... Uh, the the statement where he says, I guess playing more games and being undefeated gives you... Um, it, it hurts you in the long run because you you were not even able to get in. But... Justin Fields had him a day, bro yeah. I'm not gonna lie, he had him a day Because when the game started It it was pretty Back and forth, but Justin Fields, man He threw for 385 yards He had Six, touch, six passing touchdowns On 99 QBR He was 22 of 28 catch attempts He had 8 carries For 42 yards, this dude Was purely amazing and the fact that he got hit with one of the most hellacious shots to the ribs. It was it was it was bad, bro. He uh James Skalski was ejected in the game. Mm-hmm. Linebacker for targeting when he hit him with the crown of his helmet and he was ejected, which was kind of uh it took him a while to get back up. It took him a while, yeah. yeah. It definitely well, a shot like that yeah, is yeah. gonna take you a while. So when when I'm looking at this, I'm like, Oh man, I mean, first I um, thought he was gonna be out. I thought so too. You know, he was slow to get up, so yeah, obviously he was out of the game. He missed like a, a a play or something. He went to the tent, they they checked him out. Supposedly he didn't have and they didn't get checked or nothing. They just asked him if he was okay, he said he was fine. Obviously the adrenaline is still pumping. He wants to be in the game. They know this is the rematch. They know everything that's going on with this game. So the last thing he wants to do is exit the game. And uh so he goes back out there, pain, in pain. You can tell he's in pain. And I tweeted, if you don't follow the We Could Be Wrong podcast Twitter page, please do. On On Twitter, I said, this looks like the same hit Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma took. Spencer Rattler took a similar shot, and he couldn't throw the ball after that. He didn't play after that. He He exited the game because he couldn't twist his hips mm. to throw the ball. You know, you need that torque and it comes from the hips. Y'all know that dak move. Y'all seen Dak warming up it, uh before. Those were like uh, uh the meme of the year last year. So you need you need your hips to throw the ball. Not only your arm. So when he took that shot, I was like, "Damn, that might affect his throwing." Nope. That dude was throwing dimes, bro. He was like six touchdowns. Six, his receivers were eating, bro. Mm-hmm. Like Trey uh well Trace Sermon was the uh the the running back, but As far as receiving, Chris Olave six receptions, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Jamison Williams, three receptions, 62 yards, one touchdown. Jeremy Ruckert, tight end, three receptions, 55 yards, two touchdowns. Luke Farrell, two receptions, 11 yards, one touchdown. Everybody was eating. Everybody was getting fed. He was spreading the ball out. He wanted to target the tight ends. Trey Sermon, a transfer from Oklahoma, senior. He has 31 carries for 193 yards, bro. 193 yards. Damn near 200 yards rushing. He was rushing for 6.2 yards per carry. He had one touchdown. See, so you look, you're running back. Four of your receivers, or oh, two receivers and two tight ends scoring touchdowns. Double-digit touchdowns. Someone has single-digit touchdowns.
1: And Justin Fields ran 42 yards.
0: He ran for 42 yards. Hurt. He was hurt, bro. That was. That's the thing that amazes me the most is that he was hurt playing this game. Why? Because when you feel doubted, when you feel everybody is against you, when everybody says you do not deserve to be there, it gives you this chip on your shoulder that makes you want to prove not them right, but yourself right. Not them wrong, but yourself right. You know, and I think that's what Justin Fields came into this game with. Not only with the with the weight from the season before, at the fact that they lost to this Clemson team the year before, and and it was in his hands because he had the last throw and he had a pick. Right, it was the the last play of the game. Justin Fields with the ball in his hands, try to get it to um, to Chris Olave, and a miscommunication, and it gets picked off, and that's game. And that stuck to his head the whole time. They even have a video of him doing lunges, and it has the scoreboard on the screen, and it says Clemson. I think it was twenty-three to twenty, and they lost. And he just had that in him, and the fact that the opposition coach is telling you you don't deserve to be there, he ranks you eleventh. That's more motivation that he didn't need, but obviously he he got he got some extra motivation. <sighs> bro these dudes I mean look at look at the 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 team stats bro compared to Clemson rushing wise big gap Ohio State had 254 yards rushing
1: Trey Sermon he he almost hit 200 yards
0: that's what I'm saying 200 yards bro 200 yards Clemson had 44 yards rushing and I mean I think they each uh they each had a turnover but uh they both had an interception. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields and uh, Tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence both had interceptions. Uh, Trevor Lawrence lost the fumble, but look at the time of possession. Ohio State had 34 minutes of possession. Clemson had 25 minutes of possession. Obviously, if, if you see it, if they had 254 yards rushing, these dudes were were pretty much dominating the whole game. Dominating, like, I, even though, even though. Trevor Lawrence had 400 yards pass, pass passing. He had two touchdowns. His QBR was 77. Justin Fields' QBR was 99. There was a difference there. I mean, but Tre- Trevor Lawrence just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it all himself. He could that that Ohio State defense was just uh-huh. all over him the whole game. It, he couldn't do anything. He ran for negative eight yards. He was running backwards. Like it this, this just couldn't. He couldn't do anything. Travis Etienne, the running back. 10 carries for 32 yards, 32, and they had 44 yards rushing, so he had 32 yards. Um, Cornell Powell, eight receptions, 139 yards for two touchdowns. That dude is going to be good. He's a senior. He's coming out this year, and I believe if you go on, on ESPN's Twitter page or their Instagram and you see that route he did where he he made this dude fall, he, hit, he ran one way, he cut one way, he cut the other way, and he just made him fall. Boy, that was a sick, nasty route he ran. That dude is legit, but completely, completely, um, I got this completely wrong. Clemson obviously was outmatched and outnumbered. Justin Fields came in with a purpose. Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, came in with a purpose and said, we will not lose, we will not be beaten. We deserve to be here. This is what we were trying to do all season. But mm-hmm. due to COVID protocol and restrictions and uh, and everything else that was uh, preventing us from getting on the field, this is what we were trying to do. Let us have had a full season. Justin Fields might be in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Mm-hmm. But he isn't because he didn't have enough games. But that dude is for real, man. And... Let me, let me let me throw a scenario out there. So we all know that Trevor Lawrence is bound to be number one overall pick, right? They've been saying this all season, since last season. This season, all through the season, regular season. And you come up to Ohio State and you lose. If Justin Fields wins the whole thing, beats Alabama and wins the whole thing, do you believe teams in the NFL would be considering in switching their pick instead choosing Justin Fields as the number one overall pick instead of Trevor Lawrence. Because that has happened before.
1: I see it, but it depends on the team. And I I think the Jaguars have the number one pick right now.
0: Yeah. So I think their style of playing goes towards Trevor Lawrence. But they don't have a coach anymore. They just fired their coach, Doug Marone, today. So Um, word on the street, this is just word on the street, that Urban Meyer might be the coach. He's had several conversations. He was at that game, and what are the odds that you're at that game, where there's the number one and the number two quarterbacks being uh, picked are playing each other, and you're there evaluating both? And and Justin Fields just has a crazy, crazy, crazy game. Goes off by far. A lot of people that I've analysts that I've listened to, and and people that are talking about this game, say that this is one of the, if not the, best game they've ever seen. Um, At least that I've seen, yes. But, you know, these guys have way more experience than uh-huh. I do. But this was a hell of a game. A hell of a game. So he's arguably made his case for number one overall pick in the 2021 draft coming up in April. And, and if he wins it all, boy, <clears throat> the story's coming out. Well, I think I got to be crazy.
1: I haven't picked as a better quarterback from the beginning.
0: Justin Fields? Yeah. Really? I just, because he's more mobile. Okay, I'm not gonna. I don't want to hear nothing coming from you. But
1: this is my first year actually watching college.
0: No, yeah, I, I'm, this is your opinion. I'm not. I'm yeah, not. Yeah. I'm not gonna criticize your opinion. Uh, but an analyst did say Justin Fields is a more athletic Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. This is this is a guy that's been covering college football for a long time. Should pretty much put it in perspective to people who have never seen him play. Yeah, like. If you want to know what this guy plays like, a more athletic Dak Prescott. I want
1: to say close to Russell Wilson.
0: Well, those are all in the same umbrella. Look, as Dak Prescott, uh, Justin Fields, Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah. And you got some other uh, guys that are kind of following along those lines. But that's, that is, that's, I'm not lying. That is one comparison that they did make uh, with Justin Fields. But he did make his case, and he will be facing Alabama uh, next Monday. Will mm-hmm. be, uh, will be the college football championship game in Miami. They'll be playing in Miami. So we'll get more into that game next week when we record next week. But Alabama, uh, Ohio State, that actually was a game that I wanted to see before the championship game. Never did I think we would actually get it as the championship game uh, for uh, for all the marbles, which is even better because the stakes are that much higher. And that's what they want. That's what Ohio State has been wanting For a long, long time, especially coming out of last year uh, with that incredible team that they had. Okay, bro. Now we're going to talk about one of the things that is near and dear to my heart, which is the Texas Longhorns. Mm -hmm. Texas Longhorns fired their coach this weekend, bro. Tom Herman was been released from his coaching duties. He was hired in November 27, 2016. So he had four seasons with the Longhorns. His overall record was thirty-two and eighteen. In the Big Twelve, he was twenty-two or thirteen. Yeah, that's a lot of numbers, right? That's a lot of numbers. But let me break it down to you. When it comes down to the Big Twelve, in my opinion, there's some some standards and some expectations when you become the Texas head coach. And number one, you have to be number one in your state, right? Because in the in the Big 12, you have a lot of in-state rivals, uh, especially if you're a Texas Longhorns coach and a fan. You know that in Texas, you have TCU, you have Texas Tech, and you have Baylor, uh-huh. and obviously the Texas Longhorns. But we're going to remove them, so that's four, but we're going to remove the Longhorns. So, with that being said, you have to win your state. Also, in that same category, I'm gonna throw one more team because when you coach the Texas Longhorns, there is obviously one big, big game that happens every year that is has high expectations and standards, you know, and that's beating Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Sooners, so you have to throw them in there. In Tom Herman's first season, he went seven and six overall. In the Big Twelve, he went five and four. So to TCU, he lost twenty four to seven. To Texas Tech he lost twenty seven to twenty three Baylor he won thirty eight seven and he lost to o u. That was his record. so he went out of those four losses, three of them were two Texas teams and one um and one to uh, o u So you're losing to Texas teams. You at least gotta be the most dominant team in your own state. His second season was arguably his best season of all. He went 10-4. Tw- in the Big 12, he went 7-3. and three. You beat TCU that year. We beat Texas Tech that year. We beat Baylor that year. Okay, that's already all Texas teams. You're the most dominant uh, uh, team in your state. And he beat Oklahoma in the regular season, the Red River Showdown. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the Big 12 championship game, which is also expected of you when you become the Texas Longhorns coach, and you lose. You lost to OU, 39-27, That. But with the record of 10-4, and four, were, you were eligible for a bowl game, and you ended up going to the All-State Sugar Bowl where you faced an SEC team in Georgia that were pretty salty for not getting into the college football playoff that year, and you ended up winning. The Texas Longhorns ended up winning 38-21 to 21 that year, which is an okay year, right, What if not the best year he had. Ten wins is pretty good, obviously, winning the Big 12 championship would have been the icing on the cake but he wasn't able to do it. Third season he went 8 and 5, 5 and 4 in the Big 12. You lost to TCU, you beat Texas Tech and you lost to Baylor and you lost to OU. That's not good, you know. Those are yes, you have to win a majority of your games, but those games are very important. You go to the Valero Alamo Bowl that year to face a Utah team that was also fighting for a place in the college football playoff but they fell off at the end. We ended up winning thirty-eight to ten. Good about getting into a bowl game, but the fact that you weren't the, the most dominant team in your state is—it's it's a head scratcher for the for the board and uh, for the um, athletic director and and the boosters. Fourth in last season, which was this season, that just happened, it was seven and three, five and three in the Big Twelve. We lost to TCU thirty-three to thirty-one. We won Texas Tech. We beat Texas Tech. And we beat Baylor, but those two teams were – at least Baylor wasn't in their best uh, moment and in their best time frame when it comes to uh, competitive, being competitive in the Big 12 this year. We lost to OU. We went on four overtimes. It was actually very competitive. We go to the Valero Bowl. We won. We won against Colorado, fifty-five to twenty-three. So Tom Herman, in his four years that he was there, he only won the big. He only went to the Big Twelve Championship once, and he lost. Uh, overall, uh, versus TCU, one and three. You only beat them once out of four meetings. Texas Tech, you had a success against Texas Tech. You won three out of four. Against Baylor, you had success. You won three out of four. Versus OU, you weren't so successful you were one in three. So TCU and OU were always the ones that were haunting, uh, Tom Herman.
1: What do you know? My favorite teams.
0: Yeah. Which is, I'm, I'm, uh, honestly, that, that was, uh, that was one thing that he just could not do. TCU always gave him problems and OU always gave him problems and he can never get to the big 12 championship. That was an ongoing thing. Recruiting was okay. But I think at the end when, uh, when there was already rumors of him getting uh, replaced, and Urban Meyer kept coming up and coming up and coming up, until Urban Meyer himself said that he was not going to come out of retirement, and not coach. We all figured, okay, well, I mean, we'll settle for uh, Tom Herman another year. That was what was understood. They went to the Valero to the Alamo Bowl against Colorado. They win, and everything is good. This Saturday, boom, Tom Herman is fired. So I'm, that tastes takes me by toe i wake up and that's the first thing i see and i'm like what so if tom herman is out who are we gonna get you know because obviously you want somebody that's qualified and that is gonna be obviously better than tom herman and you want somebody that's gonna recruit better and that's gonna put texas in position to be contenders for the big 12 compete against uh lincoln riley and oklahoma and try to be as competitive as possible to try to get into the big uh to the college football playoff. That's a long reach. Oklahoma has done it, so if they can do it, we can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh people have argued that taking the Texas job is the best job in in college football. Uh and that's not me being biased, that's just people saying saying what they believe. So we then later on I get the 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 notification saying we're going for the offensive coordinator of Alabama, which is Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian is the offensive coach for Alabama. He will be coaching the offense for Alabama in the championship game on Monday. So if you're a Longhorns fan, you might want to pay attention to what he does, whether you like him or you don't. That will be our new head coach. That is our new head coach for the Texas Longhorns. And I'm actually excited because this is a guy that has made Alabama's offense score the most points that they've ever scored Hmm. so obviously he's a very good uh offensive coordinator but this is where I pump my brakes a little bit just because you come out of the Nick Saban and if everybody knows who Nick Saban is he's the Bill Belichick of college football and also like in in the NFL just because you work under Bill Belichick when you branch off that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be successful sometimes you get more credit than you deserve mm-hmm. for, uh, for your head coach and you working under him that you eventually get a job, which is, which is fine. You know, sometimes you go to the best coaches and join his staff. That way you can get some recognition and you get are lined up for a job. Um, so Steve Sarkeesian will, is the new head coach. And from what I've heard and from what I've read, a lot of people praise this guy. They say he's a savant to quote they say he's an offensive savant so i'm looking forward to watching not only the college, the the championship game with alabama to, but just to see his play calling his uh, his style the way he gets along with players the way they react to him uh those things count you know people want to be coached a certain way and you want to be able to get along with your players your players to play for you not just play for not just to play you know um, the, you want to play, but also have fun at the same time. So with that being said, the Tom Herman era in Texas, is it's over. And I'm actually excited because I was wanted to see something new. And now with Steve Sarkeesian in play, I'm not putting my hopes up very high because this is his first year in Texas. It's going to take him some time, but I want to see the steps he took. The steps he takes, excuse me, in the direction he takes us to see if it's going towards success. Because the one Big 12 championship appearance in four seasons is unacceptable. You need to be in that conversation more than just once. And hopefully, Sarkisian will get us back to where we need to be, back on track and competing for Big 12 championships moving forward. Um so for last thing on college football tonight will be the Heisman Trophy presentation. You got your finalist, which is Kyle Trask, quarterback for Florida. You got Devontae Smith, wide receiver for Alabama, Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones for quarterback for Alabama. And you have uh, I'm missing somebody. I believe it's Najee Harris. For Alabama, and uh, am I missing somebody else? I think that's it. I think that's it. If you want, you can check check the uh, check the final list. the The final list for for the Heisman. I'm sorry, I'm uh, got so much that I completely lost my train of thought. And who all made the final my the finals list? But I believe I got the most of them, uh, which is Trask, Devontae Smith, Mag Jones. And I'm missing somebody else. Um but overall I believe the trophy for sure will be going to Devontae Smith. With the performance he put on against Notre Dame, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the conversation or leading the conversation in winning the the, the Heisman. And I believe he it's been a while. This is known as a quarterback trophy. Uh you gotta be special to be one of those players outside of the quarterback family.
1: Is it just four players? Yeah. Well you said Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask.
0: I said Kyle Trask, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones. And Trevor Lawrence. That's what I'm missing. Trevor, yeah. Lawrence? Okay, Trevor Lawrence. Okay, Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Trevor Lawrence is not winning the, the 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 Heisman trophy. One, he's missed too many games. Two, he just lost to Ohio State. Uh-huh. Which is crazy because Justin Fields isn't even in the conversation to be in the Heisman Trophy So he won't be getting it So it really comes down to Mac Jones and Devontae Smith Mac Jones, he's done his thing A lot of people thought he wasn't going to be the one starting People thought it was going to be the young uh, freshman uh, out of California, Bryce Young But he ended up holding on to the, to the position And I give him back and he's done a tremendous job but they let's not act like he doesn't have the weapons to make it happen. But you also gotta have talent, right? You also gotta have skill. You cannot give uh take away anything from Mac Jones. He's done his thing. And praise to him, salute to him. But honestly, I just believe Devontae Smith is gonna win this trophy. He will be the one to 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 break away from the quarterback tradition. And getting the trophy year after year, I think the past couple of years has been Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow.
1: Derek Henry was, uh, yeah, 15, the... and then you had Lamar Jackson in 2016.
0: And Lamar Jackson won it in his sophomore year, and he won the. I'm surprised Marcus Mariota was there's a lot of people that have won. Uh, James Winston, James, look at that, James Winston, Tim Tebow. There's a lot of people on those on those on Pastor, that list. Pastor Tim Tebow on the on those lists that that they were really good on uh, in college. In college, and sometimes it doesn't transition to the NFL. But I mean, you got to be good to win the Heisman, at least in the collegiate level. And I think Devontae Smith will win this trophy. Uh, it's not a surprise. I'm not making any bold predictions here. I just see the obvious, and everybody sees it. He should be the one. Now, if Mac Jones wins it, that's really Shocking, like I don't think Mac Jones will be nowhere near getting it. He is a finalist, so he's somewhere near, but Devontae Smith is going to, I believe he's going to take this one. Before we get off college football, I do want to mention, if you follow us on the We Could Be Wrong podcast Instagram page, I did post the farewell that Sam Ellinger did. Sam Ellinger is the quarterback or was the quarterback for the Texas Longhorns for these past four years, and and we salute the man. He's done treme- a tremendous job. He's put us in position. He's put us on his back, carried us this whole time, and he announced that he will be declaring for the NFL draft. I've said it time and time again. I hope he goes to the New Orleans Saints. I think that's a perfect organization for him to be groomed and um, developed under Drew Brees and um uh Sean Payton and I think he would be a good good fit for for that organization. And I think Mel Kiper has him as the number ten, as the tenth best quarterback coming out of college this season. It seems a little bit low, but hey, what, what do I know? Um I think he would be a good good addition to to an organization and to see I want to see his success I want to see what he actually does in the NFL I think he's durable I think he's a very very good leader and I think he's one of those players that has a chip on his shoulder that's going to have to prove himself to be able to get respect in the league so salutes to Sam Ellinger we wish him all the best we thank him for everything he's done for us Texas Longhorns fans and we hope to see you succeed in the NFL now with that being said Let's keep the mood at some sort of of a uh, emotional ride with the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Well, I mean, if Sam Sam Ellinger comes to the NFL, I mean, the Cowboys could use a new quarterback. We next could
0: year. we could use a backup. Yeah.
1: Um. you think Andre Dalton will keep the starter the position?
0: Absolutely not. That's one hundred percent. Hell, no. He will not be getting the the starting position. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the. Um, that Jerry Jones wouldn't throw out there. You know, Jerry Jones be talking to the media a lot. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be hesitant in saying that this job is open for competition. But honestly, I think Andy Dalton only signed a one-year deal, so he would be a free agent next year. Whether he chooses to stay here is really up to him. Uh I wouldn't be surprised if he does stay here because he is from here. Uh, He's in his hometown and I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to remain here and play in his hometown and finish out his career right here where he started.
1: Do you think he's a good backup?
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay. 100%. I do like I do like uh Red Rifle. I think he's earned every bit of his money. I wish they would still give him that million dollars that he was expected to get if he made the playoffs. I think he's in I think he's gotten uh a lot of the load he's taken on a lot of the load that he didn't expect to take on and he's held on to it and tried to succeed as much as he possibly could as much as he possibly could with any with everything that he had available and i think he did a good job and i think nobody should criticize him for for doing what a backup is going to do and expect for you to succeed he is not a one man team. He could only do so much and I believe he did everything and anything he could to get us over that hump. So I salute Andy Dalton for everything he did this season. Uh-huh. He earned everything. Everything he everything he's gotten he's earned. And Cowboys fans should be happy with Andy with what Andy did this year. For sure. Even me, I was one of the biggest critics of Andy Dalton coming oh, yeah. into the season.
1: I, I I'm really glad that you were able to turn around and see what the red rifle was able to do for the cowboys,
0: especially in the time of need, he came this he was came probably in
1: the worst cowboys defense in a long time mm-hmm. and probably the worst line that they had, yeah, and he was actually getting some some sort of we uh, had success. a chance we had a chance of going eight and eight they they just dropped the ball a lot of times see the lamb not 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 to not to not to
0: pinpoint blame
1: on somebody, but, but. there
0: was a lot of stuff.
1: Not, and not only that i think he's a lot of bad coaching as well
0: it was a lot of there was a lot of a lot of everything everything and i think uh also like like you said not the point blame it was an overall team effort of how they lost and the way the season went but a lot of things could have been prevented that last throw interception by andy Dalton could have been prevented yeah, yeah. uh but that's in hindsight you know if he would have made that catch and i mean if he would have thrown it to the right guy, and he and made a play, we would have been praising the guy right now. Yeah. But since it didn't, we're obviously it's easy to point and say you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't you should have done oh, this. Yeah, yeah. So you can't put it all on him. But there's a lot of things that I that went the pressure wrong.
1: Yesterday was through the roof. So I mean, I understand them. A lot of bad decisions all around.
0: Uh, yeah, obviously. But it was an interesting game. It was down to the wire. But now, in hindsight, looking at it, at the fact that Washington ended up winning it would have been false hope, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day.
1: Do you think the Eagles tanked? Uh,
0: tanked? Uh, I just don't like the way he did it, right? Uh, he had – if you look at the list of all the Eagle injuries, it's crazy that he had it that close. But to pull him at the fourth quarter and put in a guy that I ain't never heard of. Trash. He He's probably bad brother. <laughs> but he – he did that right. Obviously, he did that, and it did benefit the the Eagles because they went from the ninth pick to the sixth pick uh-huh. in the draft, which is great. I mean, for them. Um, and you have a lot of uh, Giants fans pissed off, but they don't know you nothing. Uh, you shouldn't have put your faith in our hands in the first place, and you, we wouldn't be in this mess, right? And and the Eagles, did they tank? Maybe he did a strategic move to benefit the, the Eagles uh-huh. and I think he's been there long enough for for to earn people's trust, right? Uh-huh. So if people are questioning his moves, if the organization and the players are questioning his tactics, then you never really trusted me, right? You should trust me enough by, at this point to 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 know that I have the best interest for the organization and this team and for this whole every player on this team that i know what i'm doing and if that seems to be a problem then we do have a problem and that will be addressed and i believe they have a meeting with Doug Peterson tomorrow tuesday to evaluate the year and evaluate what the future holds for his um for his future in philadelphia yeah um but washington moves on the cowboys uh-huh. missed the playoffs for a two straight for the second straight year hopefully we get a a good draft a good draft pick a good draft overall we have a good overall draft and try to become better we get Dak back healthy next season um we may have seen the last of sean lee i'm not absolutely sure um but there's a lot of moves that will be made there's some additions that will be made as well we have to evaluate a lot of things one thing that was kind of um interesting to me is that the fact that there was a lot of rumors of Kellen Moore going leaving the Dallas Cowboys and going to Boise State to mm-hmm. be a head coach over there. Honestly, I would have liked for him to go to Boise State, one he graduated from there, and and for him to be a head coach in college would have been nice, you know. It yeah. wouldn't have been the most pressure, but enough pressure for him to succeed, right? Yeah. But I think he felt like he started something here in Dallas and he was given or he earned something here that he wants to finish it. He doesn't want to leave something half-assed. He got what, a 3-year extension. Yeah. He got a 3-year extension and he wants to he wants to have success with this Cowboys offense. He wants to show what he can do uh at his best. Mm-hmm. And I think if he were to leave now, it would kind of be like a like a slim uh little preview of kind of what he did it's not like a full body of work of what he is and what he can uh be as a head coach uh leading uh university so he stayed here so we'll, we'll continue with kellen moore's offense and call and play calling but i want to see if mike mccarthy does any any um any staff changes maybe you want a new defensive coordinator I don't know, maybe uh, somebody, you add somebody. There's a lot of things that could be done for the Dallas Cowboys, but the fact that we didn't make the playoffs for the second straight year, it would be bad if it was Jason Garrett. Uh But since it's Mike McCarthy's first season, and he was dealing with injuries, and there was a lot of things that came with us missing the playoffs this year, next season, the expectations are even higher. Because here in Dallas, expectations only get bigger and bigger and bigger until they get rid of you. They'll tolerate you, in the words of Shannon Sharp. If you product if you produce, they will tolerate you. Once you don't produce, that tolerance will be out of here. And they will not tolerate you. They'll tolerate you until they can replace you.
1: Definitely. That's everywhere.
0: Yeah, it definitely is everywhere. But it, it seems to be a lot more in an organization like the Dallas Cowboys, the New England Patriots, um there's a lot of those organizations, you know, big organizations that expect a lot and they have high very high expectations. Um so this weekend let's end it with Oh wait, 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 wait. I got a lot of you know what's crazy? I got a lot of people telling me today why you were so triggered, bro. Why were you so triggered? It felt like there was a little tension last week, bro. When I try to tell you that Zeke only had two games with 100 yards, and it seemed like I just wanted to, you to know that I was just giving you some facts, but you didn't want to listen to me, so I took it upon myself to do my research and to, just to show you, not to rub it in your face. How many games? This is 16 games. 16 games of Zeke Elliott's rushing yards for the whole season. Okay, Week one, he ran for 96 yards. Versus the Rams. Uh, week 2 versus the Falcons, he ran for 89 yards. Week 3 for the against the Seahawks, he ran for 34 yards. Week 4 against the Browns, he ran for 54 yards. And Week 5 against the Giants, he ran for 91 yards. Those are the five games that Dak Prescott was available. And he went down on that Week 5 against the Giants. So that's one version When you said that he did one with Dak. He did not. Those were five games. Week six against the Cardinals, he ran for forty-nine yards. Week seven against Washington, forty-five yards. Week eight versus the Eagles, sixty-three yards. Those—that's already one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games without hundred yards. Uh-huh. The next week it was a bye. the following week against the Steelers, fifty-one yards. Against the Vikings, he got—he had his first hundred-yard game with hundred and three yards against the Vikings. Then against Washington. In week 12, he went for 32 yards against the Ravens. In week 13, he went for 77 yards. Week 14 against the Bengals, 48 yards. Week 15 against the 49ers, he didn't play. Week 16, which was last week, which that's where the, the conversation started, which was his second game that I said. That was his second game with 100, over 100 yards. He had 105 yards against the Eagles. And then yesterday, he had 42 yards. So, it gives us a grand total of two games with over 100 yards in a whole regular season for Ezekiel Elliott. This is a $90 million running back that's dominating the league, according to him. So, sorry, bro. I'm just saying, this is all I was trying to explain to you. I'm sorry if you felt pressure. I think it was the jersey you were wearing. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. what it was. But, that's needed here, no there. I just thought I'd just tell you, I'm not, I wasn't trying to. Prove a point. I was just saying that was his second game, but yeah, I just felt like I had to do my due diligence and just try to show you that it was his second game. No hard feelings, bro. No hard feelings. I feel the love. So let's get into some playoff playoff wild card predictions. So just like we did with the with the bowl games, now I guess finally we get to have your insight on this, Mm. and we get to see. Who ends up with the better picks? Because obviously, some, in some of these games, we will be on opposite sides. Uh-huh. So, number one, first game we get, we get the Browns versus the Steelers. That's a tough one, really, because I think in in their first meeting, I want to say they they went two meetings, right? And I think they went one and one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think so. Um, but the Browns, man, this is this is honestly a tough one. It's a, it's a tough one to pick for me. I like the Browns.
1: I think they're fully healthy right now with Nick Chubb coming back in the second half. Uh and uh rested and healthy running back. So it's good for the playoffs. So you are And Baker Mayfield playing a lot better than he did in the first half of the season. I'm going to take the Browns.
0: There's there's a lot of pressure on this. Mm-hmm. One because And I think the Steelers are on a losing streak. They lost to the Jets. I think yeah. they lost to the Jets. Um I think they lost four of their last five games. It's bad at the they the back half of the season for sure for them was very bad, uh-huh. um, and the Browns have the pressure of making the playoffs for the first time in like over a decade, and ha- having to win, you know. So I'm like you. I'm taking the Browns. I just think take- I said the Browns. I said, I'm like you. Oh, I thought said unlike me. No, no. I'm like you, and I'm taking the Browns just because I like uh, Stefanski. I think he is a good coach, and I think uh, Baker Mayhill finally has a coach that he trusts uh-huh. and can vibe off of.
1: Um, it will be close, though.
0: It's going to be close. It's a playoff game. Yeah. You know, um, Mike Tomlin always brings the heat. Um, I think I, I – I don't know if I trust Ben, you know. Ben has been off for the last couple of games. Like you said, they were uh they were on a losing streak. The back half was he was he didn't look so convincing.
1: They lost bad the first time they played. It yeah. was it was thirty eight to seven. That's bad.
0: What about the second time they the played?
1: second time it was close. It was twenty four to twenty two.
0: So who won? Browns that's, won the that's, first that's one. That's when the Browns win. So Browns won one and Steelers won yeah, one? Yeah. So one and one. Okay. Yeah, I, th- I think the Browns would take it. I, uh, I don't even know who has a...
1: Uh, and it was their last game. So they're like facing each other back-to-back. Do
0: you know where this game is taking place? Mm, let me check. Steelers versus Browns. I think that has something to do with it, but I believe the Browns will have enough to take it. I think uh, one receiver that I like from the Browns, I mean from the Steelers, is Claypool. That dude is good, bro. He He's I, a rookie too, right? I, I I don't even know if he's a rookie. I think I want to say here, but he is good. I like I like him. I think he he stands out. Um, But I'm taking the Browns. Now you got the Colts versus the Bills. This is also a tough one. But honestly, it comes to who has the better quarterback. But they
1: play at Pittsburgh.
0: They play at Pittsburgh. so,
1: So it's gonna be a tough one.
0: I'll, I'll take a risk and I'll see the Browns. I, I, this is a big, big stepping stone for Baker Mayfield. You finally got to the playoffs. Yeah, this is. that was what one expectation you had since last season, and now you're there. So I need. Not only do I, someone that has been has seen you since college and coming into now and know what you can be, I expect you to be come Saturday night or Saturday. In your first playoff game in the NFL, I expect you to show out. Do not let this moment be big, too big for you, uh-huh. you know? Because when he went to the college football playoff and he faced Georgia, it was a close game. So that's like what I'm trying to say is that's a big light game. That's where you have the big lights on you. And he showed out, but he just came up short. In this game, I need you to make sure that you are not the person that people point the finger to. At the end of the game If they're going to Point the finger You should be It should be because You showed out Right mm-hmm. So Let me give it to the Browns Now you got the Colts Versus the Bills I'm going to take The Buffalo Bills
1: Definitely Josh Allen all day
0: I like Josh Allen I, I'm i not Going to discredit Phillip Rivers Because I do like Phillip Rivers And I do like Jonathan Taylor The running back From, Utah, from Wisconsin mm-hmm. uh, T.Y. Hilton They got some studs Over there They got a good Offensive line uh, but they have a good defense. I, but I just feel like the Buffalo Bills are playing that much good, That much oh, better. Yeah, yeah. They're just playing that much better. Uh, Stephon Diggs playing out of his mind. He is playing I out think of his mind. he had, what, like three, four touchdowns like two weeks ago? He went off in one of these games. Yeah. But he's definitely making Buffalo. He's making the most of his time in Buffalo. Like, he's making Buffalo Bills fans appreciate who what he brings to the table right so i i'm going buffalo bills i think josh allen is a good quarterback i think he's emerged into one of the best young up and coming quarterbacks and the fact that he's now in the playoffs it's 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 uh it's because of hard work because of development the development from the Buffalo Bills. And I'm pretty sure Cole Beasy's looking back and telling us, yeah, I wasn't going to win by coming to Buffalo, huh? Yeah. Ever since I left, hmm. y'all been over there. I've been on this side. So, then you got the Ravens against the Titans. That's a good game. That's a rematch from last year. If you and re- people don't remember, the Titans beat the Ravens last year and pumped the Brakes. On their Super Bowl aspirations, and keep this in mind: Lamar Jackson has not won a playoff game. Nope. So there's very high pressure on Lamar Jackson.
1: I think this year, especially this year, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder.
0: Yeah, Uh, because this—I think this is the first time. Well, not—I'm not lying. After last year, they've doubted him this season. They've questioned his ability. They've questioned his decision making. Like he's expected to. Yeah. And when I, well, I've i said this time and time again. When you put expectations on a player and on a team, things change. When you have no expectations, you have nothing to lose. But when expectations come into play, it could be a lot. Those expectations could weigh heavily on you. With that said, I'm taking the Ravens. I believe J.K. Dobbins will be uh, a big key factor. J.K. Dobbins, their running back out of Ohio State rookie, uh-huh. he will be a factor. I expect Harbaugh to use everything. I expect him to use Hollywood Brown. I expect him to use um, uh, Devin DuVernay. I expect him to use uh, what's the tightest name? Is it Henry? Derrick Henry? No, not Derrick Henry.
1: Uh, With Baltimore? Yeah. Jacob Dobbins and uh the tight end. Oh the tight end. Um, from Oklahoma. Damn. It's not is not I think you're thinking about Hunter Henry. I think it's uh isn't it Martin? No. Oh.
0: I forgot his name. I cannot believe it. But you can look him up. But um I expect the Ravens to win. I expect him to win his first playoff game. Because that would be crazy. Because if you win, you you have a date with the the Cincinnati oh with Cincinnati. With uh the Kansas City Chiefs, if you win, that would be crazy.
1: We know how that went last time.
0: Yeah, but not in the playoffs. They didn't play in the playoffs. No, but I'm, but I'm, a talking, playoff about, I'm game, talking
1: about the first game they saw each other this season.
0: Yeah, but a playoff game, I mean, obviously it's going to be in Kansas, in Kansas City, excuse me. Um But that, w- that would be a good game. I-, I would love to see that game, Ravens versus the Chiefs. Obviously you know Who who I'm going Who I'm rolling with On that one But let's not get Ahead of ourselves Let's just see So this is going to be the We chose the Browns We took the Bills Who did you take? On this one Um, I disagree with you So you're taking Titans? I'm taking King Henry I'm not mad at that Uh, I'm not saying I don't
1: I'm not saying I don't like Like people probably think now I don't like Lamar Jackson (laughs) You said it I just You think he's overrated I think he's overrated I ain't going to lie about that Um and we saw it this year. I mean, they didn't have a horrible season, but they didn't have the season they expected. No. A lot of games they won. They um, barely
0: made the playoffs. i yeah. tell you that. They barely made the playoffs. So, I mean, but you've seen teams have success in the playoffs. I mean, when you get to the playoffs, it's a whole different game. It's like you start from scratch in in a way. You get you have a, some sort of different feel to this, these type of games. It's not a regular season game. This is win or go home. The, the 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 expectations are way higher, so I just feel like Lamar Jackson, with a chip on his shoulder, is dangerous.
1: Definitely dangerous, but I don't think I don't think
0: he has it in him
1: to win a playoff game. Okay, um, I don't think he's gonna be. I'm pretty sure they're gonna catch on to him pretty soon. He's not gonna be able to run the ball all game, and I'm pretty sure he's
0: gonna throw some picks. Do you believe uh, Derrick Henry would be? Um, the biggest reason why they win, if they win. Derek Henry? Yeah. yeah. That's their whole offense. Well that's most of their offense. When you have a good running back play action comes into play and, yeah. and you're able to uh open up your defense and help your receivers get one on one coverages out in the outfield in the in the backfield.
1: And Ryan Talon Hill ain't no chump.
0: Uh he is a competitor.
1: He's he can compete. He's he's experienced. He's not the best quarterback out there. He's not even top ten, but he's healthy. And he's consistent.
0: Uh, I like AJ Brown, a receiver from Ole Miss. Yeah, he's his second year, I think. Oh, he's great. He's a good. He's a good receiver. Um, so, okay, that's good. We're, we're, we're taking. Corey Davis. We're taking uh, opposite sides here. I'm taking. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens.
1: Mark Mark Andrews. I was going to call Mark on, Andrews. I was going to call on
0: Mark Ingram, but Mark Andrews. Yeah, Mark Andrews. Uh I expect all of them to have targets. If you want to win this game, obviously you got to run the ball. You're trying to get Derrick Henry. You're trying to keep Derrick Henry off the field. That's the problem. That's the best receiver.
1: Uh, I think Hollywood Brown was supposed to be a good deal this uh for them this year, but he hasn't shown up.
0: I mean I at least need him to be targeted. You so know? I
1: think I think Baltimore's gonna try the ball, like run the ball and the tight end and Des is pretty much. Oh yeah, I forgot about this
0: Yeah. Um but I mean if you don't People haven't seen J.K. Dob- J.K. Dobbins is the truth, bro. Oh yeah, he's yeah. not big and dominant like. The thing is that Lamar Jackson takes most of the rushing yards there. You're gonna have to switch it up. A game plan has to be he addressed has to. before going into this game. It has to be perfect. You have to because when you go against the Ravens, you kind of expect on what they're gonna do. So you're gonna have to put a game plan together that's gonna not only surprise the Titans but give somebody else different looks to what you bring to the table. You cannot be uh, the same. You, I don't. You cannot be. Uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, there's a word for it. Um, you don't want to be lost. The word, bro. But anyways, uh, I'm taking the Ravens. Now let's go to the NFC. You got the Rams versus the Heat versus the Seahawks. Excuse me. Um that's probably not that's probably a no-brainer for me. I'm taking Russell Wilson. And um Russell Wilson and uh, DK Metcalf to That's basically going to be an offense versus defense team. Aaron Donald is going to cause some damage in that front line. Aaron Donald is a damn
1: problem. I mean, he was able to stop uh Russell Wilson earlier in the season. I think that was one of his worst games. So, I don't I don't know
0: how, how, did, they beat, did they beat the Rams?
1: No. They lost to the Rams, they right? They lost badly. Oh, shit. I think he had, I think, under, I think around 100 yards, barely. Let me look it up. I'm not going to say Well,
0: P. Carroll has to drop something because he knows when it comes to playing the Rams, it starts with number 99 in the defensive line. That dude is a problem, and he will be a problem. You need to do whatever it takes for him not to cross the line of scrimmage and get to your quarterback. Because if he gets to your quarterback, he can probably hurt him. And cause serious damage. You need protection on Russell Wilson, and you need to h- execute a decent game plan to be able to. The first time they played the Rams, it
1: was twenty to nine. Wow, the that was the they won actually. The second time they played, it was twenty three to sixteen. They lost, so they've been close. It's one they, and one as well. So, I'm, but me, I'm taking the Seahawks. You and take- then that one he had. Oh no, he actually had 248 yards, two interceptions.
0: You taking the Rams? Aaron Donald, Cooper nah. Cup, Higby. Even though it depends on who you like. Do you like Russell Wilson? You like Jared Goff? Do you like Sean McVay, or do you like um, Nah? I like uh, Pete Carroll. I, I'm Russell
1: Wilson all day, but I think on this one, I just got to go with whoever I believe is going to win. I think defenses are the ones that win championships. And Seahawks don't have a defense at all. I think they're probably worse than the Cowboys right now, defensively. Wow.
0: But they do have... uh, Let me see. I don't think that that statement is true because Patrick Mahomes didn't have a great defense when he won the... They have a solid defense. Not the best one, but they
1: have a solid defense. Their defense is very questionable. Andy Reid is a defensive coach.
0: Well, if they say defense wins championships when they played the 49ers. The 49ers definitely had the better defense and they did not win. The 49ers choked. The 49ers had well, The 49ers choked. They had the lead and they lost it. And they lost it why? Cuz Goat 15 stamped his name in history and picked them apart and showed them it's my time. Yeah. And now he reigns heavy. Um so yeah, I'm taking the Rams. Excuse me, I'm taking the Seahawks. I'm
1: taking the-, I'm taking the Rams. Okay,
0: bet that. That's two already that we have different Right here. So, you're taking the Bears versus Saints. I know for a fact you are not taking Mitchell Trubisky.
1: I'm not taking Mitchell Okay.
0: So, we're going the same. We're taking the Yeah, yeah. Saints.
1: On this one, I think it might be Drew Brees' last year. And okay. I think he's going to go out, balling
0: out. And he has no choice. I mean, at least he doesn't have to go against, quote-unquote, the best right off the bat. Uh, he's He has... The potential to make it to the second round.
1: He's going against a tough defense, but they also have a tough defense. And offensively they're slow. Uh Mitchell Trubisky is not gonna be able to do anything. You saw how many picks he threw over the weekend? I think he threw like three. Yeah. No. Uh,
0: this is it, gonna be this is gonna be a bad it's probably gonna be his worst game. If you are thinking you're gonna get to the playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky, you're high. Very delusional. I, that's very highly unlikely. And uh I don't even know how they made it. It's been uh eight and eight. Well, they made it because the Arizona Cardinals lost, and they made it. So, if the Cardinals have won— Imagine if
1: it would have been the Cardinals and New Orleans. That would have been exciting.
0: Oh, yeah. But, I mean— Both of them got solid defenses and Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray got hurt, so it was unfortunate that he couldn't play majority of the game. I think he only played like the fourth quarter, and he was very limited to what he could do. So, he could only do so much, and uh, that's the whole reason why the Bears are here.
1: I think the Bears are the only team that shouldn't be in the NFC wild card games. Uh,
0: what about, but what about Washington?
1: There.
0: Oh, Washington! I think well, now you got Washington versus the Bucks. What I what I am interested in this game. I think this is going to be a blowout. Wait, let me let me say this. It's it's kind of crazy that you start off that way because I was kind of going to start in a similar direction, not as far as a blowout, but I wanted to see how Tom I Brady. I just hope Alex Smith doesn't get injured. Well, I want to see how uh, Tom Brady reacts to the defense that Washington has. Washington has a real good it's defense. They're, they're solid. So, if their defense can stop Tom Brady and get pressure on him because Tom Brady doesn't like to be mm. pressure, You saw that when he faced the Denver Broncos and Von Miller was on his ass and he couldn't do anything. If they put that amount of pressure on Tom Brady, they have something. They can do something. I kind of wish they didn't get rid of Dwayne Haskins because he probably would have been a good... But you know, he has his own demons. So, but Washington's defense is very exciting to me. Uh, Chase Young, dude, is a beast. Um, and he's been saying he he's wanted Tom Brady. And
1: right, I I got to go on this one. I can't go against Tom Brady, bro. Especially now that in postseason.
0: Mm, okay. Uh, Alex I, Smith hasn't. I don't hasn't, think. Yeah, I don't. hasn't think done it. everything that. Might that's their that's their weakness. I yeah. think the fact that they don't have a good offense is the all they liability. have is a decent a
1: tight end and a decent running back. And Antonio it, Gibson came back, but that's that's not a lot. That's not going to win them a, a playoff game.
0: Well, you said defense was championships. No, but they're not they're they're not that solid. They they have a good defensive line. I give you that. Though if they put pressure on Tom Brady, their the defensive line is giving the Washington football team a chance to win the game. If they continue to pressure him. Now if they can't bring get it together and come up with some points on the board, then you just are offensively incapable of winning a game. And you kinda saw that over the weekend with uh with Philadelphia. They were only able to score what, uh, twenty something points. I mean, but you scored two touchdowns in what the first half? Yeah, but you also you got to keep that. you walked it in the, through the whole game.
1: Second half, I mean, they just didn't want to go with Hurts anymore because they wanted to tank. Yeah, I
0: guess so. But I mean, it I'm, wasn't that hard. They could have won that game. I'm taking the bucks. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm taking the bucks too. I'm taking the bucks, and if they do win, which was bring which would bring us a sensational matchup between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Because if the Bucs win, they go against the Green Bay Packers in mm-hmm. Lambeau. Mm. So that's uh think about it like this. If the, the Bucs win, they go against the Packers. Brady versus Rodgers. Obviously, that's an amazing game. If the Ravens win, you get the Ravens, Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Amazing game. So on, honestly, these playoffs are pretty are pretty good games. I, I, I'm liking the teams that are here. They're watchable games, they're interesting games, and um, um, we've made our predictions, bro. So out of six games, we disagreed on two games. Ravens, Titans, you took the Titans, I took the Ravens. You took the Rams, I took the Seahawks. And everything else were pretty much aligned with every, everything else. So we'll see who who knows the most football, and we see who... Ends up coming up with the upper hand with bragging rights, and then we will make our predictions for the following week, right? So, yep, that's our topic for the week. That's our top, that's our opinions on all these topics that you've we've ran down through the day. You may agree, you may not agree, but that's the whole point of this podcast. This is the We Could Be Wrong podcast. We'll catch y'all next week. Take it easy, man. One love.